good enough and getting better. Welcome to the podcast where we can pursue personal growth, not because we have to in order to somehow be good enough, but because we know we already are good enough. We are each a unique and rare expression of human life with no duplicate. And from this foundation, we pursue personal growth because we know we can and because we know we are capable of creating all kinds of different experiences in life. And we want to play with that capacity and expand our options. We make personal growth enjoyable and easy when we can approach it with joy and playful curiosity instead of lack and insecurity. So stay tuned and join me on this journey to be more rooted in our true self-worth and more empowered in our growth process. We are good enough and we are getting even better. Hello and welcome back to the podcast. I am your host, Laura Lenore. I am a hypnotherapist and I love finding and sharing ways that we can quickly and easily make shifts to our habitual thought patterns in order to improve our lives in real and noticeable ways. As a part of my work in hypnosis, I've had the chance to work with ego states or parts work And it's a really useful framework for resolving internal conflicts with hypnosis. And the awareness of this framework has been useful for me in my day-to-day life as well. So I want to introduce you to this idea today and talk about how we can use this idea to better understand ourselves and others and even navigate our own internal conflicts more easily. There are a number of ways of describing this idea that we have many parts of ourselves and not just one unified mind. Internal family systems is based on this idea and calls them inner parts. They've also been known as ego states, which is the framework I typically use. You can also call them subpersonalities. These are all similar ideas. So whatever you want to call them, basically these are different parts of ourselves that have different functions, different roles, different traits, in the same way that you can use a computer and it has software for this task or that task, even if they're really different functions, it's still all part of the same machine. We would never ask somebody if their computer was really a music player or a web browser or a graphics editor. We would understand that it can be all of these things all at the same time. So for us, we can be a serious professional in a meeting with our boss and then come home and get silly and play with the dog on the floor. And we're still the same person. But these are really different aspects of ourselves that come to the forefront at different times. Our different parts or our ego states form at different times in our lives when we need different things. They each have different strengths and different resources. And this is often what we're referring to when we talk about having an inner child, though functionally we can actually experience having parts of all ages. So definitely more than one of them is a child. So it's more like inner children would be more accurate. So let's talk about how this idea and framework can show up in our day-to-day life for a moment. I had one really interesting experience of this personally at a point in time where I took a part-time job in a photo lab 
when it had been over a decade since I had previously worked in a similar environment, which had been in my early 20s. And the machines and the techniques and these sorts of things for working with film in particular hadn't changed really at all in that time. So in some ways, I felt like I was stepping straight back into my past. It was actually very eerie feeling at first. And this time capsule effect wasn't limited to the tasks of the job. I actually started noticing that I was being affected by the interpersonal dynamic of the folks that I was working with in a way that didn't feel like it was me. Like my emotions were swinging more wildly in response to my surroundings than I had been used to at that point. And I was taking things more personally than usual and feeling really sensitive about them. I was aware of the idea of ego states at the time, but it still took me a couple weeks to realize that stepping back into this older environment, if you will, had basically put me right back into an ego state from the earlier era in my life when I was not as skilled at emotional regulation. And as soon as I realized what was happening, I started working to bring my more mature ego states to the job, really grounding myself and my understanding in the resources that I have in other parts of my life. So it became easier and easier to be my regular centered self in this environment too. And after a couple of weeks of catching myself and reminding myself that I was no longer in my early 20s, I integrated my resources into that environment so that I felt like I could feel like my more emotionally mature self consistently while there. It's pretty common to experience this sort of thing when you're going back home as an adult as well, especially if your parents still live in the same house where you grew up. You can walk in and just feel like a kid again in many ways. Even if it's a different house, your family can often trigger this too, as the communication patterns that we have with them don't always grow up as fast as we do, right? So with the holidays coming up, it might be helpful to remember that you have more resourceful states than the one that comes up automatically around family. And that awareness can help you respond differently to old patterns that aren't working for you and change them. And we'll get into some ideas about how to do this in a moment. Another way this way of thinking is really helpful is in understanding the way other people behave towards us. I think we've all had these moments where someone we know, a friend, a coworker, even a partner or family member, seems to snap at us or says or does something out of the blue that feels out of character. And it can feel really confusing. Like we wonder, like, do I really know this person as well as I thought I did? It can be helpful to remember in these moments that the parts of this person that you're more used to, the parts you know and love, the parts that are more active and involved in this person's day-to-day life are still there. And whatever is triggering that switch in ego state to the part that needed to lash out, that this is something that can potentially be identified, avoided if needed, or work through this together if it's a relationship where there is sufficient trust and rapport for you to be able to have that conversation. As opposed to what can happen when we don't understand that there are different parts of us, which is that we just think that oh, this is a bad person, or this is an angry person, or whatever it is. And we stop being able to see and appreciate the positive qualities out of the fear that this wounded or angry part is the real them. Obviously, if this part of them is coming up often enough that it's causing a serious problem in your relationship, that is something that you have to take seriously. You do want to make wise choices in your relationships. But 
in those circumstances where it's really an out of the blue rare thing and the real problem is just your ability to sort of integrate your idea of this happening as being the same person, that's really where the understanding of these different ego states can come in handy. And then just so that you don't think that this switch is always so dramatic, (laughs) I want to also point out that we can feel these same inner conflicts, inner shifts between different ego states in much less dramatic ways in our lives too. Like that inner tug of war where you want to do one thing, but also want to do the opposite thing at the same time. Like when we want to go to bed on time, because we want to feel good in the morning, but we also want to stay up and finish one more chapter or one more episode, right? Or when we want to order the healthy option on the menu, because we know it's going to help us to feel better after the meal. But we also want to experience the more decadent option that will be more delicious right now in the moment, regardless of the fact that it will leave us feeling sluggish all day. We want to say yes to the invite to the party, but we also want to spend the evening at home getting our relaxation time that we've been missing out on all week. In all of these examples, both parts of you have a positive goal, but these goals seem to be at odds with each other. I think remembering that each part has a positive intention is so important here because even if that part of you is going about things in a way that's not positive or beneficial overall, like lashing out, that part is likely trying to protect you or keep you from being hurt or being taken advantage of. It's coming from a place where the full consequences of this action are not necessarily being fully taken into account. And because many of our parts form when we're younger, they don't necessarily have full access to the wisdom and maturity that we've gained from growing up, from learning through time. And they can kind of get stuck in patterns, in roles that started in those younger years. And sometimes the strategies that they have aren't the most effective way to go about what they're trying to accomplish, especially for folks who grew up in homes where we felt unsafe or unloved, our parts can come up with some pretty dramatic strategies to survive those environments that don't really mesh well with the reality of our adult lives. So those ways of being, those programs, if you will, need to be updated. They need to be made aware that the circumstances are different and that the behavior and strategy that worked when we were maybe two or three years old is not the same one that we need now as an adult at work or wherever it is. And these patterns happen in subtle ways too, of course. There are things that maybe felt threatening when we were young that would have seemed really innocuous from an adult perspective, not at all like capital T trauma, just because we didn't understand all the factors when we were kids. I have done regression processes around fear patterns where the adult client realizes their problem comes from moments in childhood, like a scene of hearing parents fighting, just shouting, not necessarily in a violent way. And the child is hiding because he doesn't understand what's happening. Or one girl who had a fear that came from a moment of being picked up late from preschool, and maybe the parent was only 10 minutes late, and there were surely other people around. But to this child, in that moment, she felt like she was totally alone in the world, and that that might just be the case forever. And so these fears, these wounds, they can come from all different kinds of experiences, all kinds of things that we've been through, not necessarily the more obvious kinds of adverse events. 
That said, we also form many ego states for positive reasons. There's many states that we have that are very helpful, that have different skills and talents that are useful for us. So it's not as though these are all popping up only when there's a problem. These pop up in positive ways in all different kinds of aspects of our life too. So different parts of us have sort of different ways of being, different ways of handling things, different skill sets. And having the part of you that is best for the activity that you are doing in that moment is an ideal way to utilize all of the different resources that you really have unconsciously with all of these different parts. So with all of that in mind, what should we actually do when we notice that we're experiencing a conflict between different parts of ourselves? Or if we're noticing that there is a part of us that is showing up in a particular circumstance or environment where that part doesn't have the effective resources or strategies to navigate the situation in the way we ideally would like to. Noticing is a huge step. Very important, obviously. And as soon as you are aware that you are in an unresourceful ego state, unresourceful for the moment that you're in, maybe that ego state's resourceful for other moments in other ways. This implies that there is likely a state that is more resourceful for where you are right now, for what you're doing right now, that could be available to you. So in the example of going back home and not bringing all your adult communication or emotional regulation skills with you, a great first step might be to remember that you are an adult now, (laughs) even imagine a place where you feel really comfortable with those skills. Like maybe it's the way you feel when you're talking to your team at the office, or maybe it's a healthier communication pattern that you have established over time with your spouse, or something else, just naming the resource that you want or need to bring into that environment. And this is enhanced even more if you have a moment to really go into the place in your mind where you know you really have these resources and put yourself into the scene as if you're seeing it through your own eyes, hearing it through your ears, feeling this resource in your body. And then keeping the physiology of this resourceful state, right? The breathing, the posture, the other physiology, bringing your attention back to the present moment and location as you continue to hold this physiology of this resourceful ego state will help move it into this place. Our physiology changes in subtle and obvious ways when we change states, which normally we are not consciously aware of this. So it can be a great shorthand when you are aware of it for creating a different state and accessing that different part of ourselves in those moments where we need it. You can practice this in advance too, actually. So say you have some fear of getting into a confrontation with your sister over Christmas dinner, or maybe it's a boss or someone else who seems to just know how to push your buttons. And you can practice vividly imagining the scene the place where you feel resourceful, maybe the resources that you want to feel are calm, being patient, listening without being reactive, or maybe you want more of a sense of humor, lightness, confidence, whatever you need, just ask yourself how you want to be able to feel in this circumstance. And then you can step into a scene where you feel that state, that calm or sense of humor, whatever it is. Maybe you have a friend who always brings this out in you whenever you hang out. 
So you can imagine putting yourself into a recent scene with that friend and feel the state of being in your body and then holding on to that physiology, right? Don't change your posture or your breathing or anything as you imagine then being home with your sister with this same state of being in your body, or you imagine being in the conference room with your boss or wherever the place is that you are looking to bring the resourceful state into. And the more you practice this association in your mind, actually, the the more easily you'll be able to bring this ego state, this resourceful state into that moment where you need it. The other thing we can do with our awareness of the parts of ourselves is actually to interact with them like we might with a different person. So you can do this little exercise in your mind. This is easier in hypnosis or self-hypnosis if you've got the skills to do that, but you can do it even without, if you just allow yourself to vividly imagine it and go with whatever comes into your mind, you can invite this part to come talk to you and imagine that this part is sitting across from you. Let this part know that you see them appreciate what they're trying to do, even if the outcome isn't ideal. We basically want to create positive conditions for working together. And once you have that rapport, then you can talk about whatever they need or what they're really trying to do for you and figure out if they can find some strategies that work better for your whole life and not just the small scope they've been focused on. This will feel like it's just happening in your imagination. So hearing this from me right now, maybe you're thinking that this could never create real change and it just feels silly to think about doing it. And I totally get that if that's your response. And I also know that this kind of inner work can be really powerful and transformative and it can make major changes that actually show up in your day-to-day life. So I encourage you to actually play with this. One point I make in sessions when I'm asking a client to access unconscious information outside of a hypnotic session is that you really have to pay attention to the information that first pops into your mind, whatever image, words, thoughts come in right after you ask a question, because our unconscious mind works so quickly. And then the conscious mind, which really loves feeling like it's in control, even though it's usually not is slower and it comes up from behind and basically says, the answer you just had, that you just made that up, that must be wrong. Let's edit this answer. It should be something else. So if you get that urge to edit, then resist it and just go with the first thing that pops into your mind. This does get easier with practice. So stick with it, even if it doesn't seem to come naturally at first. And of course, this is much easier in hypnosis, especially in a guided process where someone's helping you navigate the conversation. So if you're struggling to do it on your own, it may be a great way to get started to have help going through that process. So you can have a sense of what it's like, have a sense of what your parts are like, and then you can more easily carry that into your own self-work. We are going to do a hypnosis episode next week on having this conversation around a specific inner conflict or triggering situation. So you can go a little deeper into this with me here in this sort of group format, or perhaps you feel like you might be better served by being guided one-on-one, whatever works for you. This is a valuable framework. This is is a valuable process to explore because when you really embrace this idea of being one person that is made up of a variety of ego states instead of this idea of feeling like you're just one person. And so it makes no sense when behavior kind of comes out of nowhere. That isn't what you really wanted. Doing this work really helps you understand yourself and feel more compassion, more understanding for those moments when you feel like you're 
doing or saying or experiencing something that's out of character. So think about this. Notice the ways where this idea comes into play in your life, in your relationships. I hope you will join me again for the hypnosis journey about this next week. And I'd love to hear your thoughts. I know this is kind of an unusual framework. It's something that maybe we haven't heard a lot about many of us so far. And so I'd love to hear from you about what specific questions that you have, what experiences you have with the ideas that we talked about today. What areas of this would you like me to go into more detail about? Anything like that. I would love to hear your feedback. I know this is a kind of a big topic to cover in only, you know, 20 ish minutes of podcast. So let me know what you think. You can find me on facebook.com slash good enough and getting better. You can send me a message on my website at lenorehypnosis.com, which is also where you can book a phone consultation if you're curious about working together one-on-one. Thank you for being here. I appreciate you listening as well as liking, rating, subscribing, sharing, all those great ways that help me to spread the word so more people can learn this information Join me again next week as we go deeper on this topic. And in the meantime, have a great time using this. And I hope that you enjoy experiencing greater access to your resources. Bye for now.